0: Welcome folks to another episode of Joe's Tango Podcast. I want to welcome back Amy Soletta, Bandoneon player and cellist Maxfield Fisher. How are you both doing? Thanks so much for being here.
1: Hey Joe, it's good to be here. Good to
0: see yeah, you. Yeah, thank you again for, for being available on such short notice. I know you guys got a lot going on. I just The other day I had this idea for a podcast episode and immediately you two popped into my head and I just said, okay, I got to grab these two. Uh, for the show. And fortunately, you were available. Thank you again.
1: Well, you know how many engagements we all have these days. So right. it's, uh, it was a real, <laughs> real trial to yeah. find the time. But for you, Joe.
0: I appreciate it. What was it? your idea? Okay. So, you know, the, the <laughs> thing is, because since you two are, are very accomplished musicians who are still young and we get to follow your your professional journey, which is awesome. the It's the focus of the episode, and this can branch out to other things, is lessons that we have to keep learning. And you can take that to be a, however, however you want. So, you know, one of the things with, with me speaking as a dancer, whenever we see uh, tango live performances, you know, we... I don't want to say take for granted, but there is this sort of sense that, oh, those people up there performing, they're awesome. And they just kind of, they have it all together, you know, but what we don't really realize is, is, is that all the behind the scenes work that goes into preparation. I mean, we have an, of course, an idea that, oh, they must practice a lot. But then when you unpack the word practice, uh, there are a lot of, Things that go on between the musicians that we dancers don't necessarily uh, get to experience or understand. Uh, so, I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about those, you know, your personal experiences with that. And so you know, there are probably going to be lessons here for, for all of us, regardless of whether you're dancing or a musician or whatever it is that you do, if you happen to be watching. Uh, one thing I want to start with, you know, when a lot, I do a lot of these episodes with teachers or organizers, we talk about the fundamentals of tango dancing. Um, but there are also, of course, I imagine, fundamentals of tango music that all musicians should know. So what are just some basic fundamentals of tango music that all musicians, regardless of instrument, uh, should be aware of.
2: Amy? Okay, I'll, I'll talk from a rhythmic perspective. Okay. Max and I both do rhythmic and melodic perspectives. Mm-hmm. So I'll talk the rhythmic part. Cool. Uh, I think we mentioned this before, like every, every genre of music, the way you can differentiate what's, why would something sound like a tango or a mulanga or a waltz has to do with the underlining rhythm accompaniment. And in tango, the most common ones that you hear when you're dancing, are marcato, which is four beats mm-hmm. within a measure, and usually dancers step on one and three. And that's that's the underlying pulse in almost every tango.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Then after that, uh, it's called syncopa, where it's a... Mm-hmm. and then like the rhythms get a little bit more complicated and they have specific names which I can go into another day but it's not sure. necessary mm-hmm. but every tango has these basic components of marcato, cinco these different grooves that each instrument will do when it's their role to accompany
3: mm-hmm.
2: the pianist the bassist and the bandoneon players do that a lot because those instruments have very percussive sounds and heavy weight. So if you see a tango orchestra playing for dancers, you'll see the bandoneon players and the pianists do these rhythms and that's what moves the dancers. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, so within those rhythms then, um, lots of different dances or something will have beats, you know, Mm -hmm. in certain places in a measure. And I think uh, then a huge part of of being able to play tango or or, or creating the sound of tango effectively mm-hmm. is how you articulate those beats, and mm-hmm. so different orchestras do that differently. And when you have your own orchestra, you can sort of you know draw on that history to create create a sound. Um, but uh, how oh, a big part of that often is the arrastre, um, which is the when when Amy said zeta, the arrastre would be the lead into the beat Jah which of mm-hmm. course is very associated with how, how you're stepping as well. If, if you're in a dance context mm-hmm. um, and then, so pulling, putting, learning that and learning the feeling of that and how, how to place that within the measure, within each beat, you can be in sort of different parts of a feeling of a beat. Mm-hmm. That's a huge part of tango. And then, you know, from a melodic perspective too, there are very particular ways that, um, uh, p- that phrasing happens in tango and that, uh, the melody the rhythm of the melody even can be uh, messed with and altered in a way that sounds uh, both organic and both and tangoy for a, for <laughs> a lack of a better word yeah yeah
2: um, so within a, within melody and again we're making huge generalizations within each orchestra you can find exceptions but within the melody there's like the rhythmic melody and there's the expressive melody so the rhythmic melody you hear mm-hmm. this a lot in D'Arienzo where it's very different ways of like how Max said, articulating. So very, com- it's very important in tango, mm-hmm. is the hiding of the non-emphasized beats. So it's um, And that's actually incredibly difficult to accomplish as a mu- I think that's when all mm-hmm. of the tango festivals that I've been to, that was something that was just really hammered of hiding, hiding the non-accented because mm-hmm. that is really what gives the groove.
3: Okay.
1: Especially in a large orchestra, that can have yeah. a really cool effect. If you have six people barely playing a note, it's it's hard to convince the individual yourself to to that it's okay to relinquish all of that, you know, good quality sound or tone that you've learned how to play. But when six people do that in a tangoy way, mm. it can have an extraordinary impact.
2: Mm-hmm. And yes. then within the expressive melody is something called fraseo, which Matsula is phrasing. And again, it depends on who's doing the melody. If you're a soloist, you you can have a very open phrasing where you have more liberties, mm-hmm. as long as you're aware of where the group is. But if you're a section, like a violin section, a lot of rehearsals within tango orchestras is literally rehearsing like two measures. So that if you are have the melody as a group, you have to be like, you have to be one.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And these aren't things that you can count, you feel them. So Max and I, when even in our duo we experience those moments and we've we've practiced two measures for like 20 minutes wow because it, ha- it has to be one sound and so mm-hmm. if you're an entire orchestra and that's how I think like Bugliesi's orchestra is so impactful because they really played with the melody but they were so together
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah I think that you hit upon a really good point because a lot of times when we hear bands that we really like. I think one of the reasons other than, wow, that sounded really good, but what, what does that really mean? And I think what you, what you mean, you know, what you hit upon is that, that feeling of togetherness. And I think that's something that, uh, that we kind of subconsciously pick up on as dancers, but we don't really articulate. And I think you just kind of put that into really, uh, simple language for, for lunkheads like me to understand. So, uh, on a little more technical note, Max, when you watch a guy playing a cello or a lady playing a cello, you know what do you look for in terms of this is this person knows what they 're doing or this person's you're, kind of sloppy or
1: you 're talking about in tango
0: in tango or actually in any context, what are i guess some basic fundamentals of this good technique of operating your instrument
1: sure that 's a you know, I think one of the things about music or, or art that we all know is how much multitasking that goes into it, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm, I'm a teacher and, and so I spend a lot of time watching people and telling them, you know, helping them to, to improve. Um, one, of the, one of the things, this is a very sort of cold look at life, but one of the things that, that you'll notice when people are playing is if one of 200 things isn't working, it mm-hmm. like blares out at you, you know, um, and which sucks in a way, you know, and that's not where I want to start. I want to be an optimistic sort of person, but it's, yeah. it's really true. If, like, mm-hmm. so it could be a lot of, there's not necessarily a single thing I watch for. Um, but there are a lot of little things that come together to make a really exciting, um, ability to play the instrument. And then a, a really exciting performance, which isn't even always hundred percent about exactly the sound that's coming out of your instrument. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly one of the biggest challenges that we have on the cello and on a violin is a lack of of frets or keys that -hmm. just play the damn note in tune, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, So we have to get our finger in the right place and have our ear tuned to first hear what the note needs to sound like in tune and then be able to find that. Um, And I think that's one of the greatest challenges for uh, young players and old players. I remember Mm -hmm. studying uh, chamber music in college and one of these these really neat sort of old uh, quartet players um, had this joke that quartets spend half their time tuning to each other. He's talking about professional musicians in this case, half their time tuning and the other half of the time playing out of tune. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, that's certainly a challenge. Um, I'm all about, you know, tone projection, tone production, how, how your bow is and and those things and they all go together. So as you improve, this is the other side of the coin. Um, Mm -hmm. As you improve, your tone production, you're going to be able to hear your instrument better and then your ear will actually adjust for the intonation and things a lot better. The Mm -hmm. more that you project, the more you put all of those things together, the more you play with confidence, the stronger signals your brain is actually recording through your practicing. So Mm -hmm. when you're playing something, I often spend a lot of time um, telling my students, okay, I know you you just kind of learned that line. Now I want you to play it Acting as if you're the most confident cellist in the world Rather than Mm -hmm. sort of feeling your way through it Doing that records a much stronger signal for your brain So it actually remembers the work that you did better Mm -hmm. You're um, practicing with definition and distinction um, then becomes a part of you more quickly, and if you want to change it if you 're not doing something that 's not working or you decide later, you want it to sound different it 's actually easier to change because you're you have a much more defined sense of how you were doing what you 're doing as opposed to sort of continuously fumbling through something, hoping it becomes more um, mm-hmm. confident and defined yeah. later yeah.
0: yeah, you just reminded me of when I was a kid when during uh, when I studied the cello, I remember I would put like this little tape. <laughs> so I can get the thing right but over oh, yeah. time over time it would be off mm-hmm. so I'd have to readjust it and it would be yeah it was so funny and then I was so obsessed with having a straight bow because when I would first start out I was all over the place and that was one of my that was one
1: of my things I wish <laughs> some of my students were more obsessed with having a straight bow <laughs> yeah.
0: Amy how about you with the bando neon what are you know we we see people plugging away on those buttons but what are I guess, uh, the fundamentals of operating your your instrument.
2: I think when people first start um, learning the bandone, the obsession is the keyboard system, is the button, because it is very difficult to learn. Mm. Um, And so the things I guess I looked for when I was starting out, because again, there's not a lot of teachers here. You can learn a lot by watching. So I I spent like a good year just looking up bandone players and watching them playing on YouTube. And it kind of slowly dawned on me that actually the hardest thing about bandone is not dissimilar to what Max talked about and it's the air column control where Max has to control that air that sound through his bow i control it through my bellows and the instrument is heavy so well it is heavy for me i guess if you were a bigger person it wouldn't be but it's mm-hmm. not in light instrument yeah uh, and so as you open and close you can really see the control of a true professional. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't, I, I I don't get swayed by, can you play a million notes? I don't really Mm -hmm. care. Mm -hmm. But if you are able to open and close in a very controlled way, that person really studied the Mm -hmm. Mm bandoneon. One of the hardest things to accomplish on bandoneon is a really true controlled, soft sound. Okay. So if I hear a bandoneon player hit a really soft sound that gets you right here,
3: uh-huh.
2: <laughs> that person plays with like they, mm. they have control. Yeah. Um, so I, so, and, huh?
0: Oh, sorry, go, go, go ahead, go ahead,
2: but That's really it. Like yeah. I, when I tell people when they're first starting out, you should obsess about the keyboard system, learn the buttons, learn them inside out, because then that's one thing you have to, less mm-hmm. thing you have to think about.
3: Okay. Yeah.
2: But once you get after that first initial hump Mm -hmm. you should only ever think about the air column ever i think about it all the time
1: so so you have air and then you have a bow hence the name of our duo arco yaire no not not (laughs) (laughs) the things that produce the
2: sound
0: yeah Yeah, yes any so when you were first learning how to control that air like what were some frustrations you had with that
2: so one of the hard things about controlling the air is not necessarily when you when you're slowly opening up it's fine Mm -hmm. it's when you get to the extreme of the instruments a i have short arms and i have small hands so the strain of reaching certain buttons any any movement can affect the sound of the bandonion. i don't have it with i I wish Mm -hmm. i had it with me because i could show you (laughs) okay so there's this exercise that i would do if you play just two notes very softly slowly Mm -hmm. even doing like that a sudden movement with your head change the note oh it's that subtle Mm -hmm. and so one of like an exercise that i i still do is Mm -hmm. i'll just play very insanely slowly a very basic four note melody in different dynamics first slow Mm -hmm. and as you close the weight of the instrument wants to close
3: Mm -hmm.
2: and this is the hardest thing to do as it closes, it automatically gets louder because uh-huh. the weight, the weight pushes the sound in. And mm-hmm. so you're going like this and then it goes like that. Okay. And you want this.
3: Mm-hmm. So
2: I constantly practice like that in and out. And then I do it at a moderate dynamic and then mm-hmm. I do it super loud. Okay. And it's, easy, it's easier to maintain that, that sound
3: mm-hmm.
2: in forte. in.
3: Mm-hmm. P-
2: so, that I would say is still one of my biggest struggles is mm-hmm. as you and you he- and this is why bandone solos are very important because bandonion solo train that versus playing in an orchestra, you don't need to close as much.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: The sound, con- the sound quality is different focus. When mm-hmm. I play with Max, I don't think about this.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I think about my m- marcato, like the accompanying models are very difficult to achieve. They're yeah. also very hard to get and being together with him. So it also depends on the context of how, what sound you want to create.
1: I, I think one of the hardest things on any instrument is, is dynamics and dynamic change. Um, uh, when I was younger, I always thought that wasn't hard. Of all the things on the cello, that wasn't hard until I think I was in college and I was playing like really like a Beethoven sonata, sort of seriously. Um, Mm. and you know he's famous for sudden changes of dynamic and it's you have to completely change your sort of physical existence to get from because uh, volume dynamics aren't just volume they're character, they're they're a lot of things and just the difference in producing different kinds of sounds really on any instrument is hugely physical Um, so then fast forwarding to to my life in tango mm-hmm. there are sudden and huge dynamic changes all of the time you know and sort of embodying that physicality in a way that's effective on the instrument is is definitely a challenge and it's definitely a challenge part i think particularly on the bandoneon because you have I mean, just from an outsider's perspective, it seems it (laughs) seems hard to me uh, to be able to go from small to large. And because you have that single air column in the middle with all the buttons going on, it's not like a piano where you can wail Mm -hmm. on one hand and, you know, be quiet in another place. You have just so many physical things affecting your life there. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, Max, when you were first starting out on the cello way back, this is maybe before your tango days, what was what was a, a consistent frustration that you had with that instrument?
1: Oh, I was amazing from the beginning. What is this? You know, <laughs> you know um, I think, I think one of the the biggest things is noticing what you're not even doing well. You know, mm. I remember after I'd been playing for a couple years listening to my playing once i i specifically remember this moment thinking oh my god this sounds terrible the tone here is really bad did i always sound like that Mm -hmm. and um i think when you're starting out there are so it's so many factors so many multitasking how am i sitting where am i Mm -hmm. doing where how's my bow hold is my bow in the right place you know 30 things just before you even start to produce a sound, much less a good sound, that it's very easy to get distracted by those things. And sometimes it's good to be distracted by those things, because if you're listening to the result, it's not going to sound good on the cello for, like, a year maybe. You Mm. know, just a basic tone. So I think the greatest, and this is always sort of my greatest fear, is is my perception of the sound, first of all, am I bothering to perceive the sound or am I Mm -hmm. only sort of living in my body and the feeling of the music rather than what's coming out? And then am I able to step away from the feeling of what I think I'm doing, Mm -hmm. the emotion of what I think I'm doing to the outside? You know, it's very easy for me to emote perhaps a lot in my face and in my shoulder muscles and get really Mm -hmm. tense. And my brain checks off, okay, I emoted. I mm-hmm. was expressive, but how much of that actually got into the sound? Yeah, you know, um, I remember maybe maybe four or five years ago, I listened to a recording of myself playing tango, mm-hmm. and I'd been playing tango for like five years at that point, and um, studying it in various ways and figuring out how to study it again, like learning to learning to be able to find those resources is a lot Mm -hmm. um and I was doing my rastres and I was doing my fraseos and and everything technically sort of correctly Mm -hmm. and I was you know I felt I was like a cool tango musician and I was (laughs) judgmental of people who you know played tango without you know having studied it and things and sounded classical or whatever and I went and I listened to this recording of myself and I was like that's just classical music. That's not, you know, even though I was doing all those things. So again, it's about like you have your perception and I, and I was really working hard to do the elements of, of the things that we were talking about, but I still had, and I, I would say I still have a long way to go in terms of, you know, owning and embodying many of the, the smaller details and then just the importance of recording yourself and of in the moment being able to really listen critically to what you're doing i think is always one of the greatest challenges
0: of being mm. a musician
1: yeah. yeah yeah cool cool
0: yeah so Amy, what's uh you know you, again once we start getting into tango like like uh you know you you kind of move to a different stage where you start to to improve you know what are some things you have to keep reminding yourself in terms of a fundamental let's say maybe you're going along and then it's like oh wait i've been you know i gotta pull myself back and
2: oh that's a good question. Mm -hmm. I liken it to this Mm -hmm. Um, you know within tango dancing as you slowly improve you go from the beginner classes to the intermediate and then like you always hear tango teachers say there's a bunch of intermediates or advanced students Mm -hmm. who don't even know how to walk
0: exactly yeah
2: the basic thing Mm -hmm. and as a dancer, I was always really cognizant of that because, like, mm-hmm. I, i've learned very I've learned different professions over the years,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and what they all have in common is this concept that you have to learn these basic fundamentals first, and then you move on. Mm-hmm. And as you get more advanced, it's easy to forget those fundamentals. Yeah. Um. And so, for example, like Max and I just started recording our EP. Mm-hmm. And we recorded Redencion by Gobi. Mm-hmm. And the arrastre that Max was talking about, Gobi had a very specific arrastre where the bandoneon players with their left hand would do it on beats one and three each time. Mm-hmm. It was okay. very, it was, it's what created one of their unique sounds. Mm. But it's very difficult to be doing like rhythmic melody on one hand while you're trying to do this arrastre on the other. Mm-hmm. It's like, because if you do it wrong, it's the accents are weird. Okay. And it's such a basic thing, mm-hmm. but it's like, I still really struggle with that. So like, I always like, I still make sure I practice Marcato. I still make sure I practice um, those basic things. The articulation is very specific on Bandoñón. Mm-hmm. Uh, same in Redención, the, at the end of the variation, the Bandoñón does repeated notes.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Repeated notes are very tricky in the Bandoñón to get the right sound. They, mm-hmm. they have to sound separate, but not staccato. And it's a very specific bandonion mm-hmm. technique.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's it's one of the hardest, like my exercise for that is like doing this. Yeah. And I just do it all the time. And so like, I think anyone who's learning anything, it's really, it's, it's, an, it's an ego check, no? It's an ego yeah. check to say, I still haven't mastered walking. Yeah. <laughs> so, I thought uh, I mastered my fr- freaking Margato, <laughs> <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
2: and I guess it's just constantly like as you progress, I I I try to go back mm-hmm. to those first lessons.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And it's tricky then because, like I was saying earlier, you have to have that. That humility, that awareness of what you're not doing well, but at the same time, you, in order to do well, you still have to play with confidence, right? You can't mm-hmm. you can't play or practice timidly. You have to, yeah. you know, be there. I, the uh, uh, Julian Peralta always would say, canchero, canchero, like you're learning something, and that's that's a reference. Annie can probably explain the Spanish better, but to mm-hmm. playing it like a like a long, experted master. Experted is now a word. Mm -hmm. Um, you know totally like you've been doing this your entire life Mm -hmm. um and and that that concept is really really important and it's a strange juxtaposition of like being open and and aware of these these things that you're always you know needing to improve but then the best way to do it is to you know come full forward with your instrument and yourself and and present Mm -hmm. it as strongly as you can
0: yeah 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 like you said that that humility that you need and i really like that you brought up um, you know, that going back to that walk in, in, tango, I mean, sometimes, you know, even though I've had a lot of experience with dancing, I like doing all these fancy steps, but you know, then you gotta be like, you said, pull yourself back and say, okay, you know, are you walking and connecting with your partner? All these simple things. Cause these are things we know, but you kind of have to keep reminding yourself and you can't really ever say, oh yeah, I know that because once you're, once you get into that mindset, then. Um, you know, you get cocky, and then, you know, nothing, nothing really comes, you know, entangle wise. Nothing really good, kind of good comes from that. So yeah, yeah. So Max, you earlier you said something about you know how you were re- you were feeling really good about your music, and then you heard a recording of it, and it sounded classical. So, uh, <laughs> how did you like? I guess this probably happened over time when you went from that classical sound to more authentically tango sound. What, what did you change, consciously change in order to achieve that?
1: It bugged me for a long time. It still bugs me. Mm-hmm. Uh, both what I can hear and what I can't hear and the, okay. the, what I can't hear that I was kind of saying is the, the most mm. scary part. Um, I think I played a lot more,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know, I, with more people and in more situations and and that's interesting because it's easy when you know that you don't sound good to avoid playing to avoid being in front of people to avoid performing Mm -hmm. um and it's a fair thought to have that's an entirely rational thought um so what you have to let take over is the excitement about why you were playing you know you can't be consumed by how bad you are even when you, <laughs> are, you know yeah uh, you can't be uh the other word uh was banana you can't you can't, <laughs> <laughs> you can't um you can't be super cocky about it in the face of all your failings Mm-hmm. Um, but um, you can still learn and play and perform enthusiastically mm-hmm. um and I think what I did and what I what I do as much as possible is is I played with as many people and often in situations where I did feel really mm-hmm. inadequate and uncomfortable i you know playing i think around then that time I played a lot of Parisia for the first time, which is you know where it's it's not an arrangement um but you're sort of playing from a chart things mm-hmm. um and I just, I kept playing and I kept starting bands and starting working with mm-hmm. groups and um, looking back at the early videos of those, I'm like, please take that off of the YouTube, you know, because <laughs> you can, uh, the, the really enthused uh, listener could track the progress, but I'd rather the first results be where we are now than, mm. you know, where we were. Um, and I'm sure I'll think the same five years from now about, about where I am now, um, mm-hmm. I hope I do. Um, yeah. <laughs> what was the question?
0: No, you answered it. I,
1: uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> oh, how do you, how do you, how do you, you move forward and get better? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just, just playing as much and with as many people as you can mm-hmm. and, and being open to their comments and, and ideas about your playing. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Cool. The ad- oh, yeah. I, I do have a bit of advice yeah, on yeah. that one. Cause that's something that I would ask my teachers a lot. And so mm-hmm. anyone who's interested in playing tango where they don't have access to playing with experienced tango musicians, because that's one Mm -hmm. of the tricky parts in the United States. I've
1: been very lucky.
2: Um, Mm. Is that while in my process of learning, um, I, and I mean obsessive,
3: Mm -hmm. I'm
2: talking to obsessive to the nth degree. If I was learning a bandone solo, piazzola, I listened to that solo Mm -hmm. only exclusively for a month. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That I could sing, all of it to you and then i tried to mimic him as closely as possible. i try to do literally everything he did
3: mm-hmm.
2: and this is something that all my bandoneon teachers tell you to do when you don't have mm-hmm. access to resources
3: mm-hmm.
2: not because you because because the, the fear is well if you just mimic people then you're just going to sound like them and mm-hmm. all of the tango professors that i know that i studied with say at the end of the day, you will, if you, if you do that process of listening obsessively and trying to mimic, you will be an amalgamation of everything that they are.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Because problems with studying like place in the United States versus like Buenos, like Buenos Aires, like I was in the unique position that in one orchestra, I got to play with three top bandoneon players mm-hmm. and playing with people who are better than you yeah. makes you better because mm-hmm. you end up sound you just, you just your ear goes to them and you automatically try to mimic them. And then in another orchestra, I was the first bandone So I had the responsibility of leading the orchestra. And so having both experiences, like Max said, just playing a lot and playing with people who are better than you mm-hmm. and people that you're helping makes you grow. Yeah. But if you don't have that option,
3: mm-hmm. then,
2: and I still do this, I will put my earphones yeah. on, put La Bordona, Pugliese, and mm-hmm. play along with the orchestra. And I try to ch- mimic that sound as closely as possible.
1: Mm-hmm. And our version of La Bordona as a duo doesn't sound like the orchestra. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we've both spent, it's a, the arrangement is, is in a way, it's a distillation of the, the orchestral arrangement, but it's not, it's not mm-hmm. like in any way we are lacking in personality or, right. or our own creativity there. Mm-hmm. I think that's a shift, you know, for classical musicians, I think um they uh, avoided recordings for a long time. I see a shift in the cl- even in the classical world of a mindset towards towards more listening. I think what I the way I explain it to to classical musicians is in tango we have primary resources from the composers of mm-hmm. like what they were when they wrote those notes like what was the concept of the sound what was the structure what were they hearing and why did they phrase it in those ways the recordings you can hear the composers playing it themselves and then you can hear other arrangers we have all of these materials all of these resources how much would would you give to hear bach play organ yeah. or something right <laughs> yeah. i mean how much would any i mean that the thought is obvious how much you would learn from that i mean there are some mm-hmm. like player piano charts of like bar talk playing that people would yeah. like kill for, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, how, how amazing is it that in this genre, we have all these resources of, of our, of our great composers and, and of our great living composers. I mean, it's mm-hmm. there. Love it. Use it, you know?
0: Yeah. 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 So Amy, has there ever been an, uh, uh, a time when you either gave a performance recorded yourself and you were convinced in that moment that this was terrible, but then when someone else heard it was like, that's really good. And how did you, how did you uh, come to terms with that?
2: <laughs> I go that way all the time. Okay. <laughs> it's actually, so Max knows my year. Every, every year of me seriously taking up the violin had mm-hmm. a theme. Mm-hmm. Year one was learning the keyboard system, Year two mm-hmm. was block inventions. Year three was bandolion solos.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Year four was playing in the orchestras.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And then this year, and I told this to Matt, I'm like, I'm getting over my performance anxiety. Done. I'm making mm-hmm. it happen. I don't know how I'm going to make this happen because I have a horrible fear of performing. Okay. Like it's debilitating. So wow. it got to, I got—I would hate every performance. I wouldn't enjoy it. I—I I would just like the anxiety was absurd, mm-hmm. and it was just very frustrating. That I would practice so much, all the time, and I would sound good at home, and then I would just mess up in front of people because of the fear.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so a friend of ours, Matt McConaughey. Yeah, I
3: know I know Matt.
2: He's an yeah. amazing bass player. I was mm-hmm. telling him about this. And he gave me a piece of advice that I apply
3: mm-hmm.
2: He's like, Amy, what you do after a performance, if you're not happy with it, you do not talk about it until the next day, mm. or at least you do not talk about it until you change clothes. And so if people come up to you and say, Oh, that was so, because everyone's, when someone says you sounded so great and you weren't happy, you immediately say no. And he's mm-hmm. like, no, you say, you say, thank you. And then you change your clothes or you don't talk about it the next day. And he's like, and then you realize that the next day, all the things that you hated weren't that bad. Mm-hmm. And so then I started applying that and he was right. I started mm-hmm. like to apply these things and then I would look back and think like, I didn't remember all, most of the things that I didn't like. And then by playing, just playing a lot, playing a lot, playing a lot with Max, like it got to the point where like, like at James Mal- James Malonga, the last one we did, mm-hmm. I wasn't nervous and I just enjoyed it so much. It was because I hadn't played with Max in months and had seen mm-hmm. him in months.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It was just so fun to play together again. That when I look at that recording that we did,
3: mm-hmm.
2: I was so surprised how good we sounded.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And it was, there were wrong notes. I just mm-hmm. stopped caring. Okay. <laughs> it's just like I'm not a perfect person. Yeah. So I'm not yeah, going to yeah. play everything perfectly. But mm-hmm. what we did have, like, we sounded like a duo. We sounded like mm-hmm. this. And why do we? Why do we go to the arts? Do we go to the arts because we want to criticize every little thing that is done, or mm-hmm. do we go to the arts because we want to be moved by something?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> so, so where does that performance anxiety come from? Do you have you ever tried to?
2: Oh, I know, I know where Everywhere. But I, I, I have a specific moment. Okay. I was eight. You're right And I was playing piano. Mm-hmm. And I was very shy. I was actually a very shy kid.
3: Mm-hmm. I never
2: talked. And um, my parents made me play in front of the church. And I didn't want to. Mm. And I did. And in my, I'm sure it was fine, but as an eight-year-old, I, mm-hmm. I remember thinking it was horrible. Mm -hmm. and i refused to play in front of people until like high school Mm
3: -hmm.
2: like i i would take lessons but i would never be in any recitals Mm -hmm. so it's and that's what started it all Mm -hmm. and then i think like being in a profession where medical errors are they happen because we're human beings Mm
3: -hmm. but
2: you you try so hard to avoid any medical errors but i realized that living having 17 years of working in the healthcare profession, mm-hmm. I'm so exacting of myself, I expect so much that even though intuitively, I understand that playing a wrong note is no big deal. Mm-hmm. I think that I, I have a hard time accepting errors. Okay. Because I don't accept it in my other professional life. Mm-hmm. So, so having to separate that has been a very conscientious thing where it's mm-hmm. like, that's different.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. Max, how about you? Has there been a time when you thought, oh, this, this stunk, but then you listen to it again, you're playing and it's like, you know, this is actually kind of good.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Last week we played together for the first time. I didn't think it stank. I, mm-hmm. I really uh, playing with another person, um, you know, which we did thoughtfully and, and intentionally mm-hmm. after, you know, considering, you know, where we were in this year and everything um, was, uh, was brilliant. It was, it was uh, everything that I normally live for. Um, So I was, you know, what struck me while we were playing is that we remembered the parts that we had rehearsed excessively Mm -hmm. um, in the months before quarantine to get the rhythm and to get to be together And it was actually like sort of the harder solo parts that I wasn't as prepared for. um, Mm -hmm. I had to go home and practice, uh, which was kind of of cool. Because I didn't even remember every moment of the rehearsal we did on those measures. I would get to the measure like, I'm not sure how this measure sounds. What is the rhythm? And then we like played it together. And I was like, that's it. You know, it was really (laughs) kind of a neat, Mm -hmm. uh, very humanly gratifying experience. Um, Mm -hmm. But then there were other notes that I didn't feel (laughs) good about. And then I listened to the recording and I was like, oh, well, those notes sounded okay in this case and in mm-hmm. and other places And I was like, oh,
3: mm-hmm. you, yeah.
1: can, you can hear the connection. <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, so, so for Max, for you, like what, you know, when you look back and then you say, Hey, this, this sounded okay. You know, what, what kind of facilitates that, that switch from like being really judgmental on yourself and then saying, you know, this is, you're getting that fresh perspective
1: i want to back up from that question a hair and that that's not something i do a lot
0: okay Uh,
1: i I don't love listening to recordings of myself very Mm -hmm. often i think i um sometimes i'll hear a recording of myself from a few years ago and i won't remember the experience of the concert and Mm -hmm. i'll think oh that does sound really good Or I'll think, oh, I was a miserable musician who knew nothing. What the hell was I doing? You know, Mm -hmm. those are the only two experiences. There's no in between. I don't, I don't, uh, so it's not something I, like a common experience for me to have a concert. I also Mm -hmm. don't, because I know I don't love listening to myself all the time, I don't obsess, I don't do that after concerts. Even when there Mm -hmm. is a recording, I don't make a point of going back and, I probably should. You know, Mm -hmm. that's a, that's an internal, you know, here thing. I probably would learn a lot. I tell my students to do it all the time. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Real talk. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, it's not, it's not, uh, I don't, that's not a switch that I go through that often, but Mm -hmm. clearly I'm taking away something from this conversation. No, no. I will work with myself and improve. (laughs) Um, And I know, uh, Recording yourself in general is a lot easier than it was even um, 10 years ago. Yeah. I mean, 10 years ago, what, like the iPhone one had just come out. Like we barely had phones on our cameras. Right. Yeah. Or uh, let me try that again. We barely had cameras on our phones. Yeah. uh, Much less the space. And, and things. So Right. Like you had
0: to physically get a camera, make sure you had enough memory on it, and then it's you gotta set it up and by then you're like, oh
1: you Right. Know, I don't you're tired. I record mm-hmm. so many things for my students and in, in lessons and other stuff. I have no idea how I learned how to play cello, how I would remember like what was happening in lessons as a kid. It just doesn't make sense <laughs> to me for the resources we have now. Mm-hmm. Um, but
0: yeah. cool. Cool. Sorry to not answer
1: your question properly.
0: No, that's all right. That's okay. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. Well, you've been talking for a while. So, Annie, you've been, I wanted to plug your new, uh, your new project. Why don't you tell us about, uh, tell us about it.
2: So this kind of has been, um, it was kind of an inspiration very randomly. So everyone's at home and trying to find ways to like, keep Mm -hmm. themselves busy. So at least for me like i need to distract myself because otherwise like the world the world is very overwhelming at this point sure yeah for me
3: Mm
2: -hmm. um so i do a lot of things so like i can stay optimistic Mm -hmm. and um so because i couldn't play with max and i wanted to keep the duo i started like doing videos of Mm -hmm. videos of him and me playing together yeah and people like them and i had arranged last year uh, several Bach fugues for two mm-hmm. mm. And I couldn't get anyone to study them because they're hard. <laughs> 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 so I finally decided to do the first Bach fugue with myself. So mm. I learned both parts. I recorded both parts, and then my my husband edited me playing with me. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised how much people liked that radio. <laughs> <laughs> Great
3: video.
0: That great. was great. No, I I watched it. It was fun.
2: And so. I had already had different musicians throughout the world asked to do something similar with me that I had been doing with Max.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and after that video, several more musicians were like, oh, I would love to do that with you. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, what else am I doing with my life? And so the first, so the so, there's this violinist, she right now is in Michigan, but she's going to go to New York for the Manhattan School of Music, Tegan mm-hmm. Farron. And we met mm-hmm. in Buenos Aires because she went to one of these schools. And so she wanted to do something similar, like for me. Mm-hmm. And I realized I didn't know a lot about her. I was curious mm-hmm. about her. We did, we were, we recorded together a piazzolla piece and a mm-hmm. video. And then I found out that she's, she's a barista right now mm-hmm. making coffee so she can pay the rent. Oh, wow. And I'm just like, and the woman, it's mm-hmm. like she's very young. She's only in her early 20s, but she's mm-hmm. like this hearing her play moves me. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, wow, it's a shame that there's all these young tango musicians throughout the world that no mm-hmm. one knows about, no one knows exist, and they're moving the genre forward. Yeah. And my, I just finished my degree in ethnomusicology. Mm-hmm. My whole shtick, my whole research was the contemporary tango scene.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So I was like, why don't I incorporate all of these different things into one concept? So I came up with this, because my husband's a video editor. Mm-hmm. So. I was like, why don't I just do like a little mini series? So yes. it, it kind of, for he helped me, it's, it's, you know. So the idea is called Today, Today's Tango with mm-hmm. Amy, where yeah. um, the idea is to introduce to people, human beings and artists that are phenomenal that you would not otherwise know about. So mm-hmm. every episode, I will, pl- I will play with this artist and then mm-hmm. do a, like a quick little interview with them Mm-hmm. And I don't want it to be super long, like maybe 10 to 15 minutes. Right. Well, you get to hear these people and you get to know them a little bit. And it doesn't, it's going to first be instrumentalist, but like, so it's not limiting.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, Arco and Aire, the it with Max and me, like, we're going to, like, like for example, H- Julian Peralta is a friend of ours.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: so we'll play one of his pieces and then get to know him as a composer. Okay. So, uh, max and i will play a piece and i want to invite dancers be like could you dance to our music mm-hmm. and then we can do a video or there's this film director alejandro diaz
3: mm-hmm. who
2: does amazing videos of tango musicians so i would love for him to direct a video of me and max
3: mm-hmm.
2: And because the thing is tango is many things it's an it's many it's a dance it's music it's poetry it's so I don't want to be limited. So in the beginning, yeah. it's going to be instrumentalist. And then mm. it's just going to branch out. And I want it to be international.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, sounds like fun. And then unfortunately, yeah, Tegan couldn't join us today. But yeah, maybe in the future, we'll we'll get together with her and have a fun chat with her.
2: She's fascinating.
0: Yeah. 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 Awesome. <laughs> Max, how about you? What do you, what kind of mischief are you up to these days?
1: All the things Annie just said. <laughs> uh which mm-hmm. i'm very grateful for because i'm bored <laughs> um uh, mm-hmm. all of all of my i mean you know, I, I i do love my my teaching and my students um mm-hmm. it's, you know we've all gone through a lot of sort of lifetimes this spring um and, and at this point in in about mm-hmm. the fifth iteration of figuring out life uh I, you know i i've i've had time to think about my actual life mm-hmm. oh is that do you have a dog
0: this is taxi this Aww. is my crazy
3: hello, hello.
0: Um, want, to say hi? want to
1: say hi having time to look forward and stuff in my brain i just uh uh all of my imagination artistic imagination has never even really been around recording it's been around uh creating in-person moments whether that's in tango yeah. or otherwise mm-hmm. uh so i'm i'm still working that out um but i'm i'm really grateful to that uh to to have these projects uh with annie and to be able to Uh, enjoy her uh creative inspiration um also really wonderful to um not be the only tango musician in a city (laughs) trying to trying to drive those things forward. as much as you know i've learned a lot from doing that it's really nice to have have a duo and and have other people working on that awesome really good uh good quality ideas and and, Mm. and music and everything you know yeah
0: yeah it's just been really fun just to watch you and you know other musicians and other things people what what they do to to share their their work and it's been yeah i mean let's say that's i'm not sure if that would really happen without the whole COVID thing not that i like what's going on but i like how people are finding creative ways to to deal with it so
1: I like that oh. other people are doing that, and I, I do hope to be able to have ideas. But in the meantime, uh, <laughs> I encourage everyone to listen to Joe and Annie and all the people who do have really good ideas. Yes.
2: Oh, I know for a fact that all of this stuff would not have happened. I would not have come mm. up with this stuff had it not been for what's no. going on. So yeah. I'm trying to see the silver lining in this.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, well, everybody, thank you so much for uh, for on such short notice getting together to have a chat. I think that was really fun. There's a lot of cool stuff that I think people will, will really appreciate. So cool. All right, well, thanks for listening or watching folks, And uh, yeah, we will catch up with you later.